0: Morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can open it to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, and I want to read this morning starting in verse 7, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul says, Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us hearts to receive minds to understand the wonderful, wonderful truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that this morning you would make the gospel beautiful anew to us. Not only to our physical eyes and physical mind, but Lord, our spiritual eyes. Help us, Lord, to, to hear this, this, these wonderful truths and for it to be like honey to our lips. You are precious. I pray that we would acknowledge it this morning in our, in our own devotional time here this morning. I pray that you would uphold me and use me as an instrument in your hand to bring you glory and honor through the preaching of your word. And Lord, I pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Well, we've been looking at these Judaizers who've come to the churches of Galatia and they're trying to basically make them proselytes, bring them in, um, have them walk away, even though they wouldn't put it like this, have them, Paul certainly puts it like this, have them walk away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Savior of that gospel who is Jesus Christ. They're seeking to convince the Galatians, that you have to be keepers of the law um, to find favor with God. It's not just faith in Jesus. Sure, that's fine, but it's more. You need to do more. There's something you need to add to that. Works, works of the law, starting with circumcision. And Paul explicitly in this epistle is giving the divine verdict on circumcision, and he gives it in a summary statement that we're not there yet because it's in chapter 6. We're working our way there, but he has certainly said this same thing. Six fifteen, Galatians 6.15, he says, "...for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." And so we'll get to that whenever God gets us to chapter 6. The important thing to understand is is this, being circumcised certainly doesn't cut you off from God. You can't take it too far and make it seem like if you've kept that ceremonial law, you're somehow cut off from God. That's not what Paul's saying. But he's also certainly saying that being circumcised doesn't enter you into covenant with God or enter you into the family of God or make you a son or daughter of Abraham. It's not circumcision. It's not the keeping of the law. It's a new creation. Amen. And so, Scripture says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 7, 18, was anyone at, this, at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Don't be ashamed of that. Just don't count on it. Right? Big difference. Was anyone at the time of his call, what is that call, that calling of election, that salvific call upon you, was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. It's not that those who were circumcised cannot be saved. It's that it is not circumcision that gains entrance into the family of God. It is faith. Whether you're circumcised or not doesn't matter. What matters is faith. That's what Paul is just punching over and over in this epistle. The question we answered last Sunday is how do I enter the family of God? How does one inherit the promises of God? And and you remember it's by faith, right? It's, It's not by circumcision. It's not by keeping of the law. This morning, I want to come at it from a a slightly different angle, similar, but slightly different as we build up into Paul using these Old Testament examples to argue his point because I'm sure the Judaizers are saying, hey, that's new stuff. That's not not what God taught us in the Old Testament, and it really is what God taught taught in the Old Testament. And Paul is here beginning to lay out these Old Testament arguments. So I want to come at it from a slightly different angle this morning, and and I want us to understand that this subject is of utmost importance. We're always constantly being tempted to stray from the, the doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ alone according to Scripture alone for the glory of God alone. So this morning, I want to ask a similar question. Who is a true son or daughter of Abraham? Or to ask it slightly different, could be this. Do you have to be or become a Jew ethnically to be or become part of God's family? Because that's what the Judaizers were saying. The Judaizers are claiming and teaching that circumcision is required to become part of God's family and to receive the blessing of Abraham. Paul says, no, faith alone. Faith alone. It was like that, by the way, Paul says, in the Old Testament. It was faith alone. There was always a remnant within the nation of Israel, an example of those who did not bow the knee, right? It's not new, Paul says. Paul says, faith alone, the the Judaizers say, and it's important that we equate it in doctrinal terms today, the Judaizers say, you must keep the law in order to be saved. O- obedience is necessary for justification. So they're, what they're saying is, and you'll remember this from a, a month or so ago, faith plus works then saved. That's what they're saying. And... and We say it differently in our culture. It's been being said for a long time, but we say faith plus works equals justification, or you're justified by faith plus works. And that's not what we believe. That's not what the gospel teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's the same mistake that the Judaizers, the false teachers were making here. It's the same misunderstanding they had that Paul's correcting here throughout the entire epistle. So the Judaizers are saying, you must keep the law in order to be saved. Faith plus works, then saved, then justified. Paul says, really? Because Abraham was saved, counted righteous before God, before the law was ever given. And we looked at that last week, right? The gospel that... Paul says was preached to Abraham and, and he believed God, and that was counted to him by God as righteousness. So you have to keep the law in order to be justified. Wait, wait, wait wait. Abraham was justified and counted righteous before the law was ever given. Paul says faith equals justified, then works. The Judaizers say, you must be circumcised in order to be righteous before God. That was their motto. You must be circumcised in order to be righteous before God. Faith plus works then justified. Paul says, really? You're only going back to Genesis 17. Let's go back a little further. Abraham believed God and his faith was counted as righteousness before before God, or long before he was circumcised. Faith equals justified, then works, Paul says. The Judaizers say, you need to be a Jew to be saved. Paul says, really? Abraham was a Chaldean. You remember that, right? Abraham was a Chaldean. He wasn't a Jew. Here's the biblical reality that Paul's laying out, the reality of salvation. And this is, by the way, throughout the Bible, the entirety of the Bible. Abraham's true family is actually a spiritual family, not a physical family. What do I mean? What do I mean by that? I mean this, the true mark of a child of Abraham is spiritual life, not physical life. In other words, as Jesus told Nicodemus, I'll tell you what a true, and he didn't say it this way, so allow me to paraphrase, right? What it, what it really takes, Nicodemus, is not being born of the flesh. It takes being born of spirit. You must be born again of spirit. That's how you enter the kingdom of God. That's how you enter God's family. That's how you become a true child of Abraham. John the Baptist said, listen, God could raise up uh, children from Abraham from the rocks. So John the Baptist told the religious leaders. The true mark... And this will ring a bell if you have read the Old Testament. The true mark is circumcision of the heart, not physical circumcision. This is what separates and distinguishes a true child of Abraham from a mere physical child of Abraham. That's important to, to distinguish. It's important to distinguish that. Listen to what John says in the very beginning of his gospel, in the very first chapter of his gospel. What a statement this would be if you were one counting and looking toward your heredity, your lineage. Jesus said it, and and we'll look at that in, in, in a little bit. But you're reading the gospel of John, and right off the bat in the first chapter, John says this, he came to his own who was his own, the nation of Israel, right? He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born. what, What is he speaking of here? Spiritual birth, right? Who were born not of blood. What does he mean there? Not of lineage. The spiritual children of God, the spiritual children of Abraham are not those who are born of the blood lineage. That is not what makes you a child of God. Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Being born of God, being regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God, being circumcised of heart by the Holy Spirit, and circumcision of the heart expresses itself in faith. And by faith in God and in Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Worshiping God, which is living for God. That's that's an expression, right? The circumcised heart always expresses itself with faith, and true faith always expresses itself in obedience. Not perfect obedience because we're not Christ. This is what separates a physical lineage of Abraham from the spiritual lineage of Abraham. And as I said before, this is not new to the New Testament. This was explicitly and repeatedly taught by God through the prophets to the physical lineage of Abraham in the Old Testament. God was constantly calling for circumcision of the heart. He was constantly calling for their motive of all the sacrifices that they were doing to be motivated by love, not just the checklist. It's constant. So much that God says, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of your sacrifices because you're just doing them rote. You're not doing them out of a love for me. And that love that God was looking for takes a circumcision of the heart. God was constantly calling them to love Him, not just go through the motions with robotic obedience. So, this truth that Paul is teaching the Galatians is not new, it was just overlooked and it was suppressed. It was overlooked. And it was suppressed. Membership in Abraham's family is not hereditary. Father Abraham's true sons and daughters are not people who keep the law, but people who live by faith. And it's important for us to know that. I want to illustrate this more, and I'll come back to that statement, keep keep the law, just to clarify a little bit in a moment, but I, I want to Illustrate this more by looking at a confrontation that Jesus had with the Pharisees. And if you if you can turn your Bible to 8 John 8:37, if you have your Bible with us. But I want to illustrate this truth that Paul's teaching here by looking at a confrontation that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And among the crowd, there are those who were told who, who believe in Jesus. And also in the crowd of the religious leaders that are questioning him, getting upset by what he's doing, getting upset by what he's saying. They don't like what he's saying. They didn't like what John the Baptist said. They don't like what Jesus is saying. And, and, and for, for devotional purposes, I would recommend that you go back and read the chapter of, of 8 in the Gospel of John to get the entirety of the context, but for time's sake, I want to zero in on on a couple of verses. It's such a revealing chapter with such great truths being taught by Jesus. And the hardness of heart that the religious leaders had towards God is really exposed here in John 8. But I want us to pick up in verse 37 of the Gospel of John chapter 8. And what you'll notice here in verse 37 is that Jesus uh, grants them that they are the offspring of Abraham naturally, that they do have that bloodline. They do have that genealogy. He's not arguing that point. He's admitting that. He's allowing for that. He says in verse 837, I know, I know, I know that you're offspring of Abraham, And then he he lists this distinguishing characteristic that's very important. He says that you seek to kill me because what? My words find no place in you. So, look, I'm not arguing that you're not the physical lineage of Abraham. That's a given. I know you can go back home and and get into your safe box maybe, and maybe, maybe they carried it around, and you can show us your lineage that's traced all the way back. Not arguing that point. Not arguing bloodline here. But what's interesting is just two verses later, he denies there being children of Abraham in the very same breath, in the very same conversation. Verse 37, I know you're offspring of Abraham, but here's a distinguishing characteristic of you. You want to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Right? Can can you hear this? This is behind what the Judaizers are saying to the Galatians. Abraham's our father. We're trusting in physical lineage. We're trusting in physical circumcision. You need that too. Jesus says, they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, if you were truly Abraham's children, then you would be doing the works Abraham did. So how can you tell the difference? What's the difference here in this conversation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders? Yeah, I know you're you're physical offspring, but there's something missing if you really want to be a child of Abraham. If you want to be the kind of child of Abraham that God's looking for, there's something missing. You want to kill me because of my words. You're not Abraham's child because you're not doing what Abraham did. Well, what is the works Abraham did? Verse 40, now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're not doing what Abraham did. You're not behaving like you're really, truly a child of Abraham. Abraham. Abraham's response to God's word was not anger. It was not hatred. It was not murder. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us Abraham's response in Romans 4, 20 through 22. He says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith, was counted to him as righteousness. So what what were the works of Abraham? Faith. What did Abraham do when he heard the word of God? He didn't get angry. He didn't seek to kill. He believed. And that's what Jesus is telling the religious leaders there in John 8. Listen, I know your physical offspring. I got it. I know the genealogy. I know all things. But you're not really a child of Abraham because you're not doing the works that Abraham did. And here's what Abraham did he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God's word and it was accounted to him as righteousness. You're hearing God's word and you're wanting to kill me, God in the flesh. What Jesus is telling the religious leaders and what Paul is teaching the Galatians is this. The family resemblance, the family resemblance among the true ch- children of Abraham is spiritual rather than physical. It's spiritual rather than physical. It is faith, not bloodline. It is faith that sets us apart, not keeping the law. I want to explain what I mean by keeping the law and what Paul means by keeping the law, or he calls it relying on works of the law, right? Because it's it's not that we don't seek to keep the law, but there's not a Christian in the world that's ever walked the planet that's kept the law of God, ever. Pre-conversion, post-conversion, ever. The only one who's ever kept the law of God perfectly is the God man Jesus Christ. So the question is is can someone keep or rely on works of the law? That's what Paul is bringing up back in or in verse 10. And he's bringing it up. He's bringing this up because relying on the works of the law is what the Judaizers are selling the Galatians, its what they're selling. That's the sales pitch. And Paul says in verse 10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and what? Do them. And Paul's quoting here, from at least Deuteronomy 27, 26, and he says this, or it says in Deuteronomy 27, 26, cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by what? Doing them. And all the people shall say amen. Do you hear what God is saying? God is declaring that a person must keep the whole law perfectly. It's just an expanded version of what we go back and see in Genesis 2. Don't eat of that tree and live. But the day that you eat of that tree, the fruit of that tree, you shall what? Surely die. So God is declaring that a person must keep the whole law perfectly. It's not blessing if you just say, man, that's a good law, Lord. That's not where the blessing comes from. Not just agreeing that the law is good. We can all do that, right? We can all say, man, this church has a really good statement of faith. It's not blessing if you keep most of the law, which we can't anyway. It's you are cursed if you do not keep every iota and dot of the law, which is why Jesus said there's not an iota or dot that will pass until it's fulfilled. The moment you break the law, in any point you're guilty of breaking the whole law because you must keep the whole law in order to be guiltless of the law. That's what James says too, by the way. Not only Deuteronomy 27, 26 and other places in the Old Testament, but James reiterates that truth. The moment you break the law in any point you are guilty of breaking the whole law, you become a lawbreaker before the law of God and before the courtroom of God, and that guilt causes you to be accursed of God. That's what it says. Do you Here's what I Here's what I Do you feel the weight of that truth? Do you feel the weight of that truth? You shall confirm the law by doing it all. Every dot, every iota. It's heavy. That's heavy, isn't it? If you're trusting in yourself and you're trusting on your, your works of the law and you're reminded, hey, it's not to keep it the way you keep it. Because you know what we do when we're good in the area, that's what we boast about. We'll, hey, come, come here, come here, man, let me show you this aspect of the law. And that's, that, you may feel confident in that. Like, we don't go to the law where, man, I really stink at keeping this part. That's not what we do, because that breaks down our self-righteousness. But when you think about, you, if you want to be blessed by the law, you have to keep it in every point, every yoda, every dot, the little apostrophe in the Hebrew language that changes a letter. Every bit of the law, you can't break it in one point. Not even, Jesus said, right, in your thoughts you can't even break it, because your thoughts are words to God. the weight the weight of that what a heavy yoke what a heavy yoke and listen to me here's the thing it's intended to be heavy there's mercy and there's grace in the heaviness of the yoke of the weight of the yoke of the law and it's intended by god to be a blessing and it was flipped around and not used correctly, and that's another sermon. But for the entirety of your life, you got to keep it all. The moment you break it, curses. The curse of breaking the law come upon you. I want us to feel the weight of it cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them and this is why paul can so joyfully and 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 freely i mean i can can you hear the joy in paul's voice when he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in him, in Christ Jesus. Can you hear the joy in Paul? Paul felt the weight. He talks about that in Romans 7. He felt the weight of the law. He felt that he was a man under condemnation, which is why in, in chapter 8, verse 1, he unleashes into the, there is therefore now no condemnation. I felt the weight of the condemnation of the law because I can't keep it in all points every day of my life. But listen to me, there's, there's someone who can who can help you escape this body of death. It's Jesus. And therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. This is why you have passages in the Bible, the weight of the law and the weight of our sinfulness. This is why you have passages in the Bible where God confronts people with his presence and they immediately feel the weight of their sinfulness. Uh, Just unbelievable passages and and imagery there of, of the confrontation of God. And then once the person is in the the presence of God, whether they're a prophet, whether they're a believer, whether they're a non-believer. I mean, we saw how, how Israel responded to Mount Sinai, right? Whoa, 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 we're backing up here, and we're going to let you go handle this stuff. We don't want anything to do with that. And you have Isaiah, the prophet of God, who's confronted with the presence of God in Isaiah 6 and what's his response Hey God how you doing buddy Not a chance Woe is me Woe is me for I'm a man I'm undone I'm a man of unclean lips among a people right of sinners And and, and what caused him to say that It says for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. No matter how good I think I am, I see the Lord and the weight of it bears down on me, and my only response is, "Woe, is me, I'm a man, I am undone. I'm undone. I am undone when I see the holiness of God, I'm undone. I can't stand, I can't speak. I see my circumstances, I'm undone. It's weighty. It's so weighty. And it's the most important truth that you can explore in your heart. What are you relying on? What are you relying on? What is your, where is your hope? Where is your security? Have you, have you truly examined the law? Because if you're not in Christ, if your hope's not in Christ, you're hoping in your works of the law. Have you thought about that? Because one day, this is what's going to happen. Now we know, Romans 3, 19 and 20, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be accountable, held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Paul here in chapter three to the Galatians is peeling back. He's peeling back the hidden layers of the delusional hope that the Judaizers are selling them. That's what, listen to me, all the worldviews that oppose God, their delusional hope And what the world hopes and what Satan hopes is that you don't ever start peeling back the layers to the delusion that they're selling you. And Paul is peeling back these layers, one rhetorical question after another, one Old Testament passage after another, in the hopes of gripping the Galatians to see the impossibility of their relying on the works of the law. And that their only hope, the only hope for mankind, the only hope for anyone is Jesus. And he's asking them, do you really want to put yourself into a situation that you cannot bear? Because the weight of the law is unbearable. It's a yoke that you cannot bear. Do you really want to rely on something that you cannot keep? Do you really find solace in your keeping of the law? Is that what gives you peace and lets you sleep at night? Do you not remember the truth that you have, and this this is mind-boggling, do you not remember the truth that you've already broken the law? Have you truly forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you truly forgotten your need for Jesus? Have you forgotten what Christ has gained for you on your behalf? When we're tempted to rebuild what the gospel tore down, when we're tempted to rely on the flesh and our obedience to somehow declare us blameless before God. Oh, dear Christian, stop. Stop what you're doing and fall on your face before the Lord and cry out to him and have a talk with Jesus. Ask Jesus to remind you of what he's done On your behalf. Ask Jesus if He took the curse for you. Ask Jesus if you can remove the curse on your own. Remember your true condition before God outside of Christ. And remember the condition that Christ gives. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you're finding yourself rebuilding what the gospel tore down, dear friends, run to Jesus. And run back as fast as you can because the only safe place that you will find is in the arms of Christ our Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we humbly and sorrowfully confess that it is all too easy for us to start putting our hope back in self and start rebuilding what the gospel tore down. It is woefully too easy for us to convince ourselves by delusional thought that we can somehow declare ourselves blameless before you that we can somehow do enough to appease for our sin, that we can do enough to impress you. But it is absolutely delusional. And it absolutely goes against your word. And so, Lord, I pray that we would rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in Jesus, the Savior of this gospel, and that we would trust your word like Abraham and know that it is faith that gains us entrance into the family of God forevermore. All the works that are necessary have been done, accomplished. It is finished in Jesus. Help us to remember that this week. Help us to remember that today, and may it cause joy in our hearts. I pray this in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, amen.